welcome back to She Is Becoming. We are a podcast of multi-generational women dedicated to being transformed by the renewing of our mind. All of our episodes are available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and the Grace Church app. And you can follow us on Instagram as well at She Is Becoming Podcast. So we can get to know you on that Instagram. We can pray for you. We can talk to you back and forth. I am your co-host, Bev, and I'm here in the studio with my co-host, Delaney. Hey, Bev. It's so great to be back with you today. Good to have you and just to have this wonderful session together. I'm excited to hear from you today, uh, Delaney. We're going to do things a little different this week yes, than we, we do are. some of the weeks. Right now, we're in an episode called Christians You Should Know, where we spend time diving into the lives of influential Christians currently or in church history. You know, there's so much we can learn from each other. For sure. We can't let these lessons uh, disappear with these people. Yeah. Today, I am going to be interviewing Delaney about Jim and Elizabeth Elliot. Yes. That may be familiar to you, maybe not, but you're going to know by the end of this podcast, you're going For to know sure. so much about them and you're going to be challenged and it's, it's going to make a difference. It's going to be iron sharpening iron as we look into the lives of these different people. Absolutely. And they are, this story and like just these people are some of my like favorite Christians that I've learned and read about. And as a Christ follower, there are some of these super like uber influential Christians that we should know about. And so there's just so much we can learn from our, their lives. And I actually um, found out that Elizabeth Elliot, all of her, like a lot of her sermons and um, like the things that she spoke on are actually like in podcast form. So I went on Apple Podcasts and was able to listen to her speak. And so what we talk about today in these words are actually all from her that I listened to her say. So it's oh, super cool. That is exciting. Yeah. Thanks for doing that, Delaney. Super cool. So can you just tell us a little bit about uh, Jim and Elizabeth's early life and maybe how they met? Absolutely. We always like a good love story. It, their love story is a good one, too, let me tell you. So Elizabeth was a missionary's kid, and her parents were missionaries in Belgium. And when she was super young, her parents moved back to America, to Pennsylvania. And Jim was a pastor's kid who came from Oregon. And they both actually met at Wheaton College. I think it's in Illinois. Chicago, yes. Yes, so mm -hmm. they, that's where they met. Uh, but cool, both ministry families, I love that. And Elizabeth was there, she was studying Greek because she actually wanted to translate the Bible into languages that didn't have a Bible in their translation. Super cool. So she wanted to know what the scripture said. And this is gonna be a key theme in the Elliot's life, the importance of the scriptures. And Jim actually made up his own degree that didn't exist in the college let him create his own degree. I tried to like dig around and like find what degree it was, but I couldn't. So sisters, if you know what it is or you can find it, please comment and let us know because I'm super curious. That was very progressive of Wheaton College during that oh, time. Oh yeah, this very. this Jim was no joke. Let me tell yeah, you, he, he was super he cool. He had a persuasive personality, oh, obviously. Oh, absolutely he did. So Elizabeth said that the key, the key theme of um, Jim's life was for 1 Corinthians 8. It says that knowledge makes one conceited, but love edifies people. If anyone thinks that he knows anything, he has not yet known as he ought to know. But if anyone loves God, he is known by him. And for whatever a man may know, he can always learn more. And But when a man loves God, he opens his life to the spirit of God. And Jim loved God. That, those were Elizabeth's words. She said, she said, and Jim loved God. 
God. It was such an amazing statement. And um, really, like, Jim's chief aim and desire was to love God. And his whole life was dedicated to obeying God. And you can also tell that Jim Elliott was a super intense guy. Mm-hmm, and sure. Oh, so intense. And so in order to remain obedient to God, Jim cut out two things, social activities and girls. And Elizabeth said, and I quote, perhaps the severest test of a man's determination to obey God is in his love life. And isn't that true? Oh, that's very true. It is super true. And so Jim had spent um, a lot of time on both of these things in high school. And so now that he was, (laughs) yes, funny. So now he's in college and instead of um, doing that, he spent his time hyper-focused on his school Mm -hmm. studies and his personal Bible study. Elizabeth said that he never slept, and every morning at 5 a.m., Jim was up. He was studying God's Word. He was praying. He was writing notes, and he actually loved looking back at how God had answered his prayers, and he used his notes on God's words to formulate his theology. So he was serious in his purpose, Mm -hmm. and in everything he did, he was spirit-filled, preaching the gospel, memorizing scriptures, and Elizabeth actually said that he would memorize the Greek verbs, and she actually repeated, I I mean, I can't repeat them, I don't know Greek, but she would repeat, she repeated them when I was listening to her, all these Greek verbs that he would just say, it was so cool. Wow, he he was a deep student of the word. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And so Elizabeth and Jim were dedicated followers of Christ, to say the least. And when talking about this time in their life, Elizabeth said, it was here that the ground was prepared in which his faith grew. The clues to the quality of a man's character and the degree of his commitment are when he's a college student. What he is on the campus, what he is in the classroom, what he is in the privacy of his dorm room is what a man is. And isn't that a word? Okay. I've got a grandson going to college next year. Yeah. I'm sharing this with him. I oh, just think yeah. This it's is amazing. So good. It, so good. Yeah. It's just, yeah. and I just loved like the consistency of Jim's character. Like it just displayed who he was. Like he was the same everywhere he went. His beliefs didn't change depending on the crowd. Like he was firmly rooted and planted in his relationship with Christ. Right. A college student, you have to make your own decisions. Right. So he's making his own decisions and choosing his own path now. And that's crucial. Yeah. That it, that it, if you say you're a Christian, you are actually following Christ. So cool. Well, let's talk some more about this wonderful couple. Um, It seems like the Lord was already calling Jim and Elizabeth to the mission field, just the way God was preparing them in school. So can you tell us a little bit more about the event of how God called them to the full-time missionary work and where did God call them to? Yeah, absolutely. It's kind of um, a funny story because Jim is this like super intense, God-fearing, bold, obedient missionary man. And a week before Elizabeth graduated college, Jim confessed his love for her. <laughs> and so she was shocked that such a handsome, well-liked, intelligent man loved her. And she she said that she hardly dared to hope that this spiritually-minded man would glance her direction. And Elizabeth was more of a wallflower. She was um, independent, studious. She kind of kept to herself. So when I was listening to her describing Jim confessing his love for her, she kept saying how staggering and surprising it was. So it seemed like they didn't have any or much of any romantic relationship before this point, That not that she led on at least. Um, plus, both Jim and Elizabeth thought that God had called them to singleness. 
and they wanted to do missions full time. And so they couldn't believe when God began calling them to marriage. It was super surprising to them. And both were actually willing to be single to be obedient to the Lord, which I think is super cool too. Wow. Yeah. Like Mm -hmm. just willing, like if this is what you want, like I'll do it. Yeah, and you don't hear a lot of people t- talking about a call to singleness anymore. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And so I, Elizabeth actually said, like, her response to the potential of her being single for the rest of her life was, yes, Lord. Wow. She was just so obedient. Mm-hmm. And so here they are a week before they're graduating, and they were in love. And, you know, they talked about it a little bit, but then um, they actually waited three months before speaking to continue their work and to listen for the Holy Spirit's voice for permission to date. And so they all, they kind of went to off. To date. That's yeah. not, okay. <laughs> not even to get married, just to date. Their oh whole boy. their whole thing is long. Like the whole engagement, everything was long. And so um, they were both doing ministry separately, and they started to correspond via letter. And in one of Jim's letters to Elizabeth, he actually wrote, There is within a hunger after God, given of God, filled by God. I can be happy when I am conscious of doing what he wills from within. What makes me tremble is that I might allow something else, you, for example, to take the place that my God should have. I tremblest in any way that I should offend my eternal lover. And he actually told Elizabeth in this letter, all shall be revoked at his command. Wow. I would say that's 100% dedicated, wouldn't you? Oh, there there was... <laughs> he held back nothing, yeah. not even his love of his life. Yeah, he didn't. He was like, I'm going to do what God says. Yeah. And so after graduation, Jim went home for a time, uh, just as Paul went to Arabia for three years before public ministry. And in everything he did, Jim preached the gospel and waited for the Lord to speak. It was in this time that Jim wrote um, his famous journals, a lot of them. And it was in this time that Jim wrote these words. These words, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain, to gain which he cannot lose. And these words we hear now, and we know that they ended up being really prophetic, a prophecy over his life. Certainly. But Jim, there was no hold back for Jim mm-hmm. to be obedient to the Lord. And so Jim contently waited on God's will to be revealed. And um, Jim and actually a fellow Wheaton student started in a little Sunday school program called River Rats and a radio broadcast to preach the gospel. They were in, uh, I think, Oregon at this time. And so he was just going to keep preaching the gospel while he waited for the Lord to tell him what was next. And his prayer was that God would show him which avenue of missions to go into, bring the money and bring the Christians to support him. And so God called him to Ecuador. And so Jim was going to try and pay to go down there to Ecuador and check it out. And so here and there, um, before Jim had been given like small amounts of money from people who had either heard him preach or heard about his passion for missions. And so every time that Jim had received the money, he had put it in a drawer and he had never counted it. So the day that he went to find out how much it would cost him to go on a boat to Ecuador, he found out it would be $300. And so he goes to that drawer, he counted the money and in the drawer, guess how much it was? $315. Exactly what he needed. That is how God operates. It totally is. A child of God, you know, we don't go without. That's so true. So God, I mean, all the the signs from the Lord are aligning here. And so after this period um, of waiting, God's call to Jim was being revealed. And um, Jim said that Ecuador is simply an avenue of obedience to the simple word of Christ. Love that quote from him. 
And so at this point, Jim and Elizabeth were not married yet. It actually took several years for these missionaries to actually get married. But the whole time, they were doing ministry and serving the Lord separately. And finally, after years of waiting on God and being obedient, being obedient, Jim and a colleague make it to Ecuador and they spend their time learning the language. They're rebuilding some houses and they're just serving in anywhere they, anywhere they can, any way they can. And so they actually taught the people how to read and write. Um, the people really took the opportunity to listen to Jim and, and loved to learn about God. And Jim at this time was with some of the unreached people groups that had never heard the name of Jesus. And so Jim said that he actually, one time he said that he once made a cross out of logs and laid on it to show them what a cross looked like. I mean, have these people have no idea. They've never heard any of it. And so it was also during this time that Elizabeth was doing ministry. We know that she was in Ecuador. I tried to find some more in-depth information on her own call to Ecuador and um, like what region she was in. Um, there wasn't a ton on it though, but we know that they were both doing ministry separately at this point. Again, how of God, they both were called to Ecuador. Yeah, yeah. Both called Ecuador. Mm -hmm. Super cool. Well, that is an amazing call. So tell us about how Jim and Elizabeth finally decided to get married. Yes. This has been a long, long time oh, coming. Oh, yeah. Five years. Oh, yeah. So um, in 1953, they finally got married. So Elizabeth had been working, um, like I said, on the in Ecuador. She was on the other side of the Andes with a, in, with a different tribe. And they had waited five years for God to reveal the, rock the right time. And, I mean, we want to talk about obedience and patience. Like, you, yeah, you love this girl. Delaney. Yeah, you love this girl. Like, You're waiting right now too. Yeah, absolutely. Like you love this girl and you want to marry her and like God's not calling you to it yet. And so they waited. And uh, it's super funny because Jim actually had one stip stipulation for Elizabeth in order to get married. It was that she must learn the Ecuadorian Quichua. And that was the, the language, language. Yeah. the language. And oh he my. legit, he legit said to her that he would not marry her unless she learned Quichua. And I thought that was hilarious. Like, this dude is so, so intense. Like, I love him. And so it was super funny. And so um, the two of them got married while in Ecuador when God said it was the right time. Wow. So they're finally married. What is God's next call on their life? Yeah. I I've, assume they're living together finally. Yes. Together. Yes. Okay. Doing ministry now together. Okay. So um, God called them to be parents in 1955. They had a little girl named Valerie who served right alongside them in Ecuador. And so then God called them to reach the unreached people group in Ecuador. They were called the Aucas. I'm not sure if I'm Akas. saying that. Akas. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Akas. And they're actually called something differently, uh, different now, but in all of Elizabeth's uh, teaching, she called them Akas. So um, now the, they, the Akas were known savages. Elizabeth said that no white man had ever come into their territory and lived. And so before even coming to Ecuador, it's funny because Jim had actually prayed for the salvation of this specific tribe. Before And God had given him a real burden for them. And um, this was before he ever was even called to Ecuador. And so Jim was confident that God would open the door for the Akas to hear the gospel. He was confident. He was. He was. Amazing. Tell us about El the Elliots' experiences with this tribe, the Aka tribe. Yeah, absolutely. So in 1956, um, they actually made contact with the Akas along with five other missionary couples. And so they had to be really strategic with the way that they approached because this tribe was known for their violence. And so they actually had a plane and they would drop gifts over the Aka tribe, showing them that they weren't there to harm them. 
And so for three months, they actually did this and they left um, welcoming aqua phrases. And um, Elizabeth Elliot later said this about that strategy that they went simply because they knew they belonged to God because he was their creator and their redeemer. They had no choice but to willingly obey him. And that meant obeying his command to take the good news to every nation. So no matter the cost, no matter what tribe, like they were going to go because God told them to go. And so their actual first encounter with the August was in 1956. And um, Jim and companions were shouting like kind phrases from across the river where the Akas lived, where their tribe was. And they were approached by three of the members and it went really well. They gave um, these three people like rides on the plane and um, it, it, it was really positive. And um, they actually planned to have another meeting and they wanted to like hold a worship service with them. So Jim was really this was, he was happy. Like this, sure. this they, was they going well. Yes. Yeah. But what they didn't know was that, um, those three Aka members went back to their tribe and they actually lied about the missionaries intentions. So Jim and his companions, they don't know this. And, um, so they, they continue on like planning to hold this worship service on the beach and invite all the Akas. And Elizabeth described, um, this as the, this was the attitude of Jim and the men as deeply prayerful in every step they prayed and before everything they prayed and their song was we rest on thee our shield and our defender that was one of their favorite songs and so you know this was who they are this was what they did they were these deeply prayerful committed dedicated followers of god they didn't just go in on their own thinking their yeah, own whim they were called yeah they were that, called that does take away some of the fear not all but it, it does make you it fearless does. It does. And you're obeying God. Absolutely. And so one week later, when they were supposed to have this worship service, all five of the men were actually speared to death by the ones they sought to reach trying to share the gospel. And it reminds me of this phrase. Um, I think it's from the Bible, actually, where it says the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. And um, the women were on the base waiting for the radio response from their husbands, and none came. And so they actually sent a search party for the men and everyone had been speared and they had all died. In the back too. In the back. Like they weren't fighting. No, no. They, they were weren't. Just, um, it was really probably just a sneak attack. Yeah. They didn't know it was coming. It, it, it did seem like that. Ugh. And so as I listened to Elizabeth Elliot talk about her murdered husband, one of the things she said totally struck me. She said, there is nothing worth living for unless it is worth dying for. So true. Man. It's Big beautiful. Big time commitment. Yeah. So what was Elizabeth's response to her husband's murder? If I can use that term, I think it is right. It's murder. What were her next steps? So, I mean, obviously, like, she's devastated. She's confused because the call of God had been so clear. Like, how could the men have end up dead? And her heart was just broken. And the, the, the path had been guided so clearly to preach the gospel to this specific tribe. Like, like God had laid this on Jim's heart. 
And so now Elizabeth is a brokenhearted widow. She has a baby. She's still in Ecuador. And she said that she leaned on scripture during this time in her life. And she said 1 John 2.17 was really her fighter verse. I love that expression, fighter verse. You know, fighter there are verse. Times you have to be a fighter. Oh, man. And fight yeah. with the word of God. That's our sword. Oh, absolutely. Her, it's, this was her fighter verse. So she said, the world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. What comfort. What comfort. Oh, she knows that Jim is yeah. living forever and and that it was according to the will of God. Oh, and you rest in God's sovereignty in that. Absolutely. So where did she go from there? So then she she prayed at what for what was next. She prayed for the next calling. And in her words, she prayed what she called an absurd prayer. She said, basically, she said, Lord, if you want me to do anything with those akas, send me. Show me what I can do. Which, first of all, imagine praying that. Like, they had just killed your husband, like, I, I, it would be hard to even pray that or utter the words. You know, it doesn't make any sense but God. Ex- but God. 100%. Two words. Uh, it's just, but God. Absolutely. Absolutely. So um, she was still in Ecuador at this time working with um, the other other women, and she was translating the New Testament, and she was praying for the Akas. And so then God called Elizabeth back to the tribe who'd killed her husband, and Elizabeth obeyed. <laughs> and Elizabeth's actions, this is one of this is the gospel. Like there is no other explanation for the gospel that despite murdering her husband, Elizabeth obeys God and goes to serve and preach the gospel to this tribe. And she actually ends up leading one of the men who had speared her husband to Christ. Like, I I don't even have words for that, except like, this is the gospel. This is the Lord. Yeah. Like there is nothing else. Like this is just God. And so she was faced with what was probably her biggest fear, um, a violent tribe who murdered her husband. And, and, and she did it because she was like, I am going to obey Christ. And so this is the gospel. Like this is the this is love that you would go and preach the gospel to someone despite what they have done to you. And this can only be the work of our God. Yeah. Like At this is such it. great cost. But oh, both man. of them from— the beginning of their stories, they, they didn't count the cost. They mm-hmm. considered it a privilege, and they laid it all down for their Lord. And non-compromising uh, sticks out to me as Absolutely. far as describing them. Absolutely. So one of my favorite um, Jim Elliott quotes is actually this. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. This is such a powerful statement. It like, is. It is so powerful. I mean, just you wow. You hear it quoted a lot yeah. because it says so much. It's kind of a tongue twister. Yeah, it but is. <laughs> it really says so much. Has a deep, um, it mm-hmm. is a deep, deep meaning mm-hmm. for sure. So Elizabeth spent, um, I think it was two or three years with this tribe. Um, they planted a church there and actually a large number of the Akas are to actually Christians today. I think I read it was like 40% or something. So going from to a tribe that has never, I mean, has, is just violent, who has never heard the name of Jesus, mm-hmm. and now a lot of them are Christians? Mm. That's God. It truly is. It truly is. And they both had such a heart for that tribe. So tell me, how did Jim's martyrdom then open up doors for Elizabeth to continue sharing the gospel. I mean, I know she's written a lot of books and she was a speaker and a teacher in her own right. So tell me the after story here. So basically she said when she came back to the United States, like the story had kind of gone viral. Like everybody knew it. Everyone had heard what had happened. She said she actually got a lot of flack from people to that she stayed with her daughter and went to this tribe to be obedient with the Lord. But this open door is like, like you said, she was 
a speaker. She began like going around the country, speaking to all different groups, churches, everyone. She continued to spread the gospel to people. She wrote a lot of books and a lot like wrote a ton of actually articles um, ranging from topics of suffering to singleness. And um, you might have heard some of her well-known uh, works are Through Gates of Splendor, and it's about the Jim Dine Ecuador, and also Shadow of the Almighty, the Life and Testament of Jim Elliot. And so up until her death in 2015, Elizabeth's entire life glorified God. She remarried twice, outlived both of her husbands, and she spoke at numerous churches, wrote multiple books. Has, she's published poetry and newsletters, and she kept the gospel central to her life, and she continued in obedience to God. And I actually heard um, one of the talks she did on suffering, and it's just so clear that she had such a right view of herself and a right view of God. Like mm-hmm. she realized she was helpless and that she really needed the Lord. And she was just so deeply dependent on him. And you could just, you could tell from her voice, like how much she loved the Lord, but she was super steady about it and super real about it. And yeah. it was all about like, I'm going to die to myself and I'm just going to obey you. And so um, it's like we kind of said in the beginning too, it's so cool because her daughter and granddaughter have like now a website that's like dedicated to like her work. So you can actually go on, if you just type in Elizabeth Elliot, like it's the first one that pops up and you can hear her speaking Mm. and hear like read what she's written. Yeah. Like it's so cool. And so to hear this like from her was just so impactful. Like I just, there was, and, and what also struck me was there was just such a discipline to her life her and Jim's life. And I think that's something that at least for me and maybe even my generation is something that's lacking is like, I love, if I love you, Lord, like I need to be disciplined in obeying you. And this woman was disciplined. Like she also was like Jim where she every day was like reading the word and praying and doing ministry and nothing was going to stop her. No, I read her journal. It was like her personal inside journal yeah. and years ago. And I heard all those same things you're describing, Delaney. Yeah. She was a very committed, deep, spiritual person. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And she just seemed very, like, consistent and steady. That's a good and word, she, too. And she expected suffering, and um, she was funny. <laughs> really? Oh, she was hilarious. Yeah. I heard her crack some jokes, and I was like, you're... You're really funny, actually. It was surprising. Like that in helps her, you survive in too. her suffering <laughs> talk, she's like cracking jokes. I'm like, all right, I really, I really relate to you. Yeah, <laughs> so cool. So, can you kind of close us here? And what what would be our challenge for the sisters today, Bev? I think our challenge is just that deep commitment. Mm-hmm. Because if we say we love the Lord, there needs to be that obedience. Oh yeah, committed to His will, regardless. And um, I love what you said, too, having a right view of God and a right view of ourselves. Yeah. I think that they both really challenge that. And they challenge, too, to a life, what it really looks like to be fully committed, fully surrendered to the Lord. They truly were. They didn't count their life worth anything. Yeah. uh, But for the gospel. And it sounds kind of like the Apostle Paul to me. Absolutely. Should I pray for our listeners? Yeah, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for these two beautiful servants of yours. Um, We just are so grateful, Lord, that the Elliots uh, lived and had such a loud voice and continue to speak to generations even after they're gone, Lord. Thank you that we are challenged today. I do pray, Father, that we would have a deep commitment and a willingness to not only love you, but that love would end up in obedience. For Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey me. These are two individuals who really stood that test. So thank you, Lord, for their example. And may we 
follow in the footsteps. Absolutely. In Christ's name. Yes. Amen. 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 Well, it was so great to be with you, sisters. Join us in two Mondays on She Is Becoming.